Hello, this is Mindy Joy, and I wanted to talk about self, low self-esteem and deception. And I guess in that could be um, self-deception and kind of narcissism. Um, this is 1 Samuel chapter 15 and 16 that I'm going to be gleaning from this morning. And I base what I'm going to share about, about what I read in the Bible, instead of just pulling out of my imagination and um, things that I've, you know, think or feel or my opinion, I try to base it on the the Word of God. I do, I don't say that I try, I do. I just don't, you know, any opinion that I go by or anything, I want it to be based on truth. Um, and that doesn't mean that everything that I think and every um, everything that I think and everything that I do is just perfect all the time, and I am the sum total of understanding and truth. But I do do what Second um, Corinthians ten five says, and I cast down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring it into captivity, of bringing my thoughts to um, to Christ. So I watch what I'm thinking about and. The Bible says in, um, I think it's John 10, 10, well, it's in John chapter 10, I'm looking it up right now, that um, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said that he came to give life and more and life more abundantly. So the litmus test about your thoughts is anything that you're ruminating on that is killing a dream going to kill a relationship because you're thinking negatively about somebody. It's killing your mood because you're remembering something that was very hurtful and you just keep thinking about it all day. Um, it's stealing your joy. Um, the devil comes to steal, stealing your joy, stealing your time because you're distracted and you're thinking about some, something else, stealing your confidence. Now you're procrastinating and not going to the gym or procrastinating and not praying, procrastinating, being late to work, procrastinating, and just watching YouTubes or on um, Instagram, TikTok, when you should be productive in something. I mean, there's a time to just kind of chill at the end of the day and relax and have some, you know, nice, pleasant entertainment. But if you're letting your mind just wander into things that are negative, it's um, stealing, killing, and destroying the time in your life, the possible relationships you could be having, your productivity, and even the joy that you could be having. So, I'm looking, um, yes, I was right, John 10, 10. It says, this is the English Standard Version that I'm reading today. And I do read di different versions of the Bible. I find that very enjoying and um, very interesting. And I like to parallel what the different versions are saying, like the New Living Translation, the New King, Jing, the New King James, the Old King James, um, English Standard Version, um, the um what what how do you ns new revised standard version uh the passion bible i i like to read all these different translations they are um and other other bibles as well and so verse 10 
10 says the thief comes only to steal. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So watch your thoughts. Watch your thoughts. If what you're thinking about is stealing, killing, or destroying your, um, your mood, your joy, your love towards somebody else, your productivity, your health, um, these thoughts do not come from God. And this, these thoughts are coming from a demonic source that um, hates all people, whether you believe in Jesus or, Jesus or not. It comes from a demonic force that hates all evil and is the source of all division, hatred in this world. Everything that's negative in this world, that is where the source comes from. And But Jesus said, I, I came to earth that they may have life and have it abundantly. So not only does Jesus want us to live life, think of, you know, they are lively, you know, you're full of life. When we say those things, we we are describing somebody who's joyful, full of energy. When they come into a room, they light up the room with their personality and they have it abundantly and that's the kind of thoughts that we want to have. Not self-deception. There's a time we have to be balanced. There's a time to be repentive. There's a time to look at, um, not just a time, but to be cognitively aware all the time of things that we're doing that are not nice, that we need to repent of, we need to clean up. Um, old behaviors, we all have these patterns of things, of habits of thinking, of being critical, of being critical, of being stingy. And the, especially the, um, the temptation to gossip, especially the temptation to gossip, we have to really be careful. And those kind of thoughts, you know, we need to cast down it and, and looking at yourself and seeing that you fall short is that, that also brings more life. It, um, it, the Bible also says that, um, godly sorrow leads to, leads to repentance. It leads to being, um, it leads to new beginnings. It leads to being refreshed because you're just going to let go of that. So we always have to watch if we're falling in to that old behavior of wanting to gossip about something, wanting to complain, wanting to give up. Um, and we need to, you know, tell God, I'm turning myself in. I, I confess I've been down. I went down the rabbit hole. Um, please forgive me. Please forgive those words I said. Please forgive what I did. And he'll forgive anything, anything. So if you're hearing my voice today and you're like, um, Mindy, what I'm dealing with is much huger than gossip. Well, and your sin is sin. But if that's what you're thinking, something that you did, um, you know, just know that my, my God, Jesus, he forgives anything, anything. If you're hearing me, um, in prison walls today, I'm telling you anything, anything, anything. My God will forgive you. And he loves you. He loves you so, so, so much. And he wants you. He wants you to be his child. He wants you to want him to be his father. So that is my springboard this morning to first Samuel chapter 15. And when I was reading about, um, the subject line here is the Lord rejects Saul and why, um, what was Saul about? Well, Saul, we were reading before, he had low self-esteem. When he was chosen to be king, 
we found that he was one of the most handsome men, if not the most handsome man among the Israelites. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he was insecure. He, you know, it was unbelievable to me. So I, I'm the least, you know, of all, and I'm from the tribe of J Benjamin. And and then when they were going to, when Samuel, um, Samuel was going to present him before the people, it says he was hiding with the luggage. You know, he had low self-esteem. He was fearful. So uh, this thing about low self-esteem really caught my attention when I was reading this. And I was pondering this all day yesterday because I came from that. I used to have low self-esteem. I think we all do. It's a human thing. You know, it's just a human thing. It's the way that our world is. Our world is competitive. I don't care if you're talking about, oh, but I believe in socialism and communism. Well, guess what? You can't get away from it. There's an inferior and superior. Um, you know, look at you know, China or these other countries, there's a government and there's people who are connected with the government and they're superior to the other people. So there's not like this perfect anything, political system or anything where everybody, if we do just find it, we would just, and do that, we would just have utopia. There's always going to be rulers and rulers are always going to get big headed and people are always going to abuse power. I'm not saying every single power all the time that everybody abuses it, but there's always going to be that in our world. It's just, our world is just messed up, you know, until Jesus comes back. It's just what it is. People were messed up. We, that's why we have to cast down our, we're flawed, you know, our soul and our um, flesh uh, is flawed. Our spirits are perfect once we receive Christ, but we're flawed. So that's why we got to watch our thoughts so they align with our reborn spirit that is born of God. So um, without further ado, First Samuel, let's see what the word says. Chapter 15, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, the Lord sent, now he's replaying what just happened. The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. At this point, um, Saul is probably like, cool, I'm going to get another great word from Samuel. It's going to be a great day. And then verse 2 says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what um, Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came to Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Okay, so this already happened. Um, and he says, do not spare them, but kill both man and women, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And this was a situation like Sodom and Gomorrah. So before you think, oh, this is so violent, why would God do tell them to do that? You know, picture Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? So there was a, there was a reason. Um, and so, you know, Saul, Saul does this. The anointing was on him at that time, um, the anointing of God. He was empowered by God. Um, and then verse 6, um, let's see, um, he tells the um, Canaanites, go depart, go from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites. Okay, okay, so he spares these um, people. Um, but we see in verse 8, that he totally disobeyed what the Lord told him. In verse 8, this is what had already happened. He says, and he, meaning um, Saul, King Saul, took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. He wasn't supposed to. And devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But, verse 9, Saul, but Saul and the people spared Agag, 
the best of the sheep and of the oxen, of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. So all that didn't matter to them, that wasn't going to be prosperous to them, they devoted that. I mean, they killed that, but all that, you know, they wanted to take for um, profit, they took that. And then, um, and that's not what God told them to do. And, you know, Saul has just been king for a minute. It wasn't that long. And so he's already messing up. And then it gets worse. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. Oh, man, I never want to hear these words. I regret, this is from the Lord. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. You know, and somebody who is, um, I believe, this is, I, I'm, I'm pondering this as I'm saying this, I think who's a true, you know, prophet of God or a real intercessor, you know, these things that we say, who's really a pastor, an evangelist, um, so forth, that it's a painful thing to be because you feel it, it really bothers you when people around you are hurting, when people have gone the wrong way. Um, you know, you, you sometimes will have nights when you only sleep a few hours and you're praying through the night or you're literally praying through the night and you give your life and your time to um, pray and help other people and even, you know, hands-on help other help other people and your life is one of service it's almost like you can't help it like you're just overcome you're um you're immersed in in um god's spirit of wanting to please him and wanting to make a difference and you know to be a world changer and it's not this comfortable feel good thing all the time and i once heard a minister say that sometimes people misunderstand true intercessors, true prayer warriors, because they can sing, seem um, kind of morose, or they could seem like they're depressing, they're, or they get depressed, and people are like, well, that's not of God, what's wrong with them, you know, you should be joyful, and yes, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, but he said that when people are really, really called to that intercession, like anointed for that, they cannot... Um, they cannot become joyful or live with themselves until they prayed something through. So when they hear that something's going on, it could be in another nation, it could be personal in their own family, it could be something you know that's going on in their community. Um, it could be that they don't even know what's going on, but they know they just have to stop and pray. Something, somewhere, somebody needs help and somebody needs to pray. And until they pray that thing through, that burden does not get lifted. They literally have a burden for prayer. So I just wanted to put that there, that if you're one of those people and you're like, why do I, why when I'm in a room and everybody's happy, something just comes on me and I just feel like, you know, um, all the good food in the world, you know, the the nice movie that we're seeing or the nice song I see, why do I feel like... Um, you know, I'm the only one and I, I just feel this need to just, you know, get and pray. There's nothing wrong with you. You might have a calling as an intercessor on your life. Um, and what I once heard that people that are called with a prophetic anointing, that's like 101. Like the first thing that you're called that comes before the prophetic anointing is a burden of prayer, you know, for other people, not just your own needs, but for other 
other people and even um, nations and community. So, um, so then Samuel, um, so then Samuel, not only that, but while um, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up, he finds that, um, wait, Saul came to Carmel to, wait, let me see, I'm sorry, um, and Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord, okay, verse 12, and Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. What? Um, Saul sent a monument for himself? He was supposed to be a king leading God's people anointed by a prophet of God for God's service. But now he puts a, mo a monument to himself. So here's a narcissistic act. Here's something that, you know, um, wants attention, wants to lord over the people. Hey, I'm your leader. Don't forget it. Um, honor me. Um, honor me. Respect me. Notice me. I'm the... Um, I'm the subject of your conversations and you love me, right? And then verse 14, and Samuel said, what then is this? Um, and then Saul is so self-deceived. He says to Samuel, um, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. You weren't, um, Saul was not supposed to do sacrifices to the Lord. That was the Levitical priesthood. What is he doing? He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He was just supposed to be king and stay in his lane. But now he's like thinking he's going to twist God's arm that, you know, that um, the scripture that when Jesus says, if you love me, you know, you'll keep my commandments. Saul is like, Lord, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, he's kind of flipped that thing. And it reminds me of my son, um, when he was really little and he was just starting to go to, it might've been the nursery, you know, he might've been like three or four years old. And their little memory verse was when Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And Michael, he was so proud, my son, to tell us what his memory verse was that he memorized. And he just stood and he stuck out his little chest and he, you know, acted, he had to get in position, like he was going to proclaim the scripture because he knew the scripture. And he said, this is my scripture today, mommy. He said, um, um, Lord, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he flipped that whole thing. And it was hysterically funny at the time because he was just a little boy, you know. But when um, Saul is misinterpreting his role, this is not funny. And, um, and Samuel said, what is this what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, oh, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared. The people? This is under Saul's leadership. Now it's the people? The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Oh, it was spiritual. They, they spared them to sacrifice to the Lord. You know, you could sprinkle a little spirituality on anything, you know. Um, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Um, you know, it's like praying over your food, knowing that you're really not supposed to eat that second piece of pie, maybe not even the first piece of pie. You've been warned of your doctor that you're pre-diabetic and, you know, you, sh you should be staying away from sugar and you're eating the second piece of pie and you're throwing scripture on it. Oh, God gave me all things to enjoy. Father, bless this food. And I thank you that it's going to be for the nourishment of my body. And it's not going to cause anything with high blood sugar. And I thank you, Father, so much for the person who, you know, made this pie for me. I bless 
them, you know, that they would get the return on their giving. Thank you in Jesus' name. And then you proceed to eat pie with sugar in it. I mean, it's just dumb, you know. And so this is just what... Um, but we all do this, and that might be like a blatant way, like, okay, Mindy, we all know that's dumb, but we all do that. Like, there's time, you know, because we have a deceiver, the devil, and he's always trying to deceive us, and sometimes it just feels good to deceive ourselves. Like, I'm not really gossiping, I'm just trying to process what just happened here. You know, we just, we put all kind of stink on spirituality, and, and, and it's just stink, you know, it's not, it's not being spiritual. Um, and then verse 16, um, then Samuel said to Saul, stop. It's like, I can't take any, I, I'm putting my own words in the English Standard Version, verse 16. All it says is, then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And how I'm hearing this in my mind is that then um, Samuel said to Saul, like he probably put his, maybe how I'm picturing it, what if he put his hands on his ears and was like, I can't take this anymore. Stop it. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And um, Saul, this is so sad. He's so self-deceived. He's like, speak. Like, this has got to be good, you know, because, hey, God made me king. I'm God's man. You know, everything I do, like nothing I do is ever wrong. Um so verse 17, and Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, though you are little, ooh, that sounds like low self-esteem. Though you are little in your own eyes. Hey, I thought that low self-esteem was like humility. Like I'm not worthy. Isn't that humility? Let's, let's look at this. Are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? Ooh, that's what God told him that he was to be and what he was to do. And then it goes on to say, the Lord anointed you king over Israel. Wow. Okay. Um, verse 17. This is where a lot of us get it wrong. And I'm an expert on this because I had low self-esteem from day one. I just did. Whatever. You know, and low self-esteem is not cute. It's not humility. It doesn't make you humble. Um... It doesn't do any of that because if you have low self-esteem, that means you're seeing yourself as inferior to other people. And if you see yourself as inferior to other people, guess what? You see life through a caste system. That means you see other people as superior and that, you know, part of you wants to be a quote unquote superior person. So when you get a little bit of power or that low self-esteem person gets a little bit of power or a little bit of attention, all of a sudden you're in the cool kids crowd, you know, you're, you've arrived. And then you start to look at other people as little people. And that is a stench in the father's nostril. He's no respecter of persons. So we have to watch that low self-esteem thing and don't get pharisaical about it and religious like, well, you know, I'm just, um, you know, taking about a vow of poverty. I'm just, you know, gonna, um, fast and, and, um, you know, that you're just putting yourself in this lowly position because you think it looks so, you know, humble, but, you know, you're low, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy of that anyways. I'm not worthy to be successful. I'm not worthy. Don't, you know, there's, you're not worthy to be saved without Jesus Christ. You're not worthy to come to a holy God without Jesus Christ. That part is true. But 
that's all mankind, okay? Get that through your head. That's all mankind, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans um, 3.23. So, but of yourself, if you're comparing yourself to other humans and looking at people as inferior and superior, that's a caste system. It's a total caste system. And don't think there's any political system anywhere in the world or any man that can fix that. The only one who can truly bring unity between people is um, Jesus Christ. And it says in Colossians um, chapter 3 that, um, what is that scripture? We say that all the time. Um, That's like one of our prayers in Bible for Food that we end with. But it says... um, Um, And love binds all the virtues together in perfect unity. Like we only by the spirit of God can we have unity. And Jesus said that um, people will know us. That means the believers that believe in Christ, Christ followers, that other people that are not Christ followers are going to know us and recognize us. We're going to stand out by our love one for another. We can only have unity by the Spirit of God because guess what? Guess what, my friends um, and my sisters and brothers? This, guess what? Our our souls, like, you know, are like we want to just love lovable people. We just, you know, we just want to, um, people that are good to us, we just want to hang around, you know, stick where it's warm. And, and that's good for support. You know, that's good for when we need encouragement and we need to go places to get encouragement and prayer. And we should be discerning who we share all our real personal stuff with and confess our faults to. But we also need to be forgiving and we need to overlook faults of one another. To have unity amongst ourselves, this takes work. This takes a lot of work and this takes, you know, looking um um, people that you wouldn't normally, you know, wanting to, making a decision, you're going to see the best in people when they, when you feel like you're getting annoyed or certain people talk too much. Hello. Um, you don't need to write me about that (laughs) guilty, but when people, uh, talk too much or they're long winded or they, you know how some people are really slow when they express themselves and you're like, okay, my husband has this saying and I get so mad. He says, are you done yet? Are you done? Like, stop rushing me. I'm processing. But, you know, just things that you find annoying in other people. You know, sometimes we need to think in our minds when we start to go there, like, let me think of a beautiful quality of this person. Or even when somebody has made you mad or hurt your feelings, think about a time in your life when they were really a blessing to you. Like make an effort to bring unity, make an effort to be honest, all in the spirit of unity so that there's good relationship always like we want relationship. We don't want to throw relationships out of the window. We don't want to ghost people. And I was infamous for this, you know, in my past, I really was. And, you know, I regret that I do, but I'm not that person anymore. That person's, you know, dead. We were constantly getting transformed in Christ. And, you know, I found too, that even when we become a believer, you know, obviously the old person, you know, before Christ, like we know that that person that, you know, is dead, like we have a new nature. But even in Christ, we're constantly being transformed in the image of Christ. And I find that I'm, you know, I'm a lot more mature than I was 15 years ago in Christ. So in in that way, those characteristics that I used to have and old behaviors and ways of thinking, mostly thought patterns, that those things are dying. They're dead. I'm, I'm not that woman now. So, you know, I repent to the Lord. I And I said, I'm sorry. And, you know, if I can reach the person, if I ever see the person again, 
Um, I make an effort, but I don't live in condemnation. Um, okay, going on, and, and I'm saying that to encourage you to um, not to talk about myself. And so the Lord anointed you king over Israel. It's like if the Lord gave you a position in life, why are you hiding from it? Why are you not doing everything the Lord told you to do? I'm talking to somebody here who maybe needs to go back to school, somebody here who needs to, um, you know, speak to somebody, you have a word of encouragement, or you've had something in your heart, you're prosperous, and something's been on your heart to start um, a home for pregnant mothers, or, um, or start a youth ministry, or to volunteer with an organization, um, and you've not at all experienced in that kind of with that thing that's been in your heart, you know, to, to get trained to work with children or youth or to get trained to work with um, seniors, to get trained to work in hospice. Um, I didn't carry this out, but, you know, one time when um, my I went with my husband and he was in the emergency room um, with um, COVID, but he was okay. He wound up being okay. And we had to stay there all night. And it was a uh, what do they call it? A government hospital? A um, oh man, there's another word for it. They don't call it a government hospital, but um, a county hospital. And so um, the conditions of this particular hospital were so bad. There were people bleeding in the emergency room. Um, they one guy looked like he had just been knifed, and he was bleeding profusely from his neck. And it took forever to anybody to come out. They're bleeding all over the floor. People were vomiting. Um, in the emergency room, there was no water. They were there for 24 hours. There was no water. Um, there was no vending machines. Um, and if you asked how long it was going to be to see a doctor, you were yelled at, literally yelled at, and they screamed at you and said, sit down. The um, condition of the chairs were perfect. Yes, this is in the United States, guys, in a big city. Um, um, supposed to be one of the wealthy cities of um, the United States. And this was my experience. So um, what came to me, why I'm telling you the story is because I thought, wow, this is a great place for ministry because um, there's people that are sitting here, they're crying, they're in pain. And that if, you know, to just go to different people and, and just have a blanket for them, because the room is freezing, you know, hospitals, I think because of germs, the air conditioner is turned up. So just to even have a blanket for people that have to stay in the emergency for 12, 14 hours, and they have fevers, and they're really cold, and to have water, just to have a bottle of water for people, you know, like that's a ministry. And, and that came to me, I didn't follow through on it. But um you know, that was something, and I don't know, you know, there's a lot of rules, like it might not have been allowed. Actually, I did call the hospital, I looked into it, and they said that would not be allowed um, for, you know, regulations or hospital regulations. I don't know, maybe because blankets would have to be sent, who knows why. But they said you can, um, you could donate that to them, and they would see, you know, they would possibly distribute them. That's what happened. I did not let go of that, but it just sounded like this is just going to be, who knows if this will even happen if I donate all that. It was just kind of locked up. But, okay, that's just an example. That's just an example. Um, so um, so anyways, uh, Samuel goes on and says, oh, and then Saul got so big-headed, you know, he, he thinks he's being so spiritual that he offers up this offering to God, which was not, God was very specific how to bless him and how to worship. But 
um, Saul paid no attention to that. He just did it his own way because he's the king. So self-esteem, you know, went all into obsession over, you know, looking good and everybody liking him. And we're going to see that I'm not making this up at the end of this chapter. Um, so he says, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agog, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoils, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord in Gilgal. Okay, so he is deceived. He's saying like three times, I did it, I did it, I did it. I'm cool. I did it. Like he was so self-deceived. This is scary. This is the most scariest thing in life to me is for me to be self-deceived. And I think the Bible refers to that when it says that your conscience can become seared. You know, when something is, it's like if you um, were to sear your, you know, that means burn your hand or there's a, a burn so bad on your body that the nerves are, are um are destroyed and you can't even feel that part of your body anymore that's what it means that you don't even feel you don't even feel conviction anymore you don't even feel when you're hurting somebody anymore you don't even feel when um you're um you're being very evil you don't even feel anything you don't, like no li nothing lights up in you like warning warning you don't want to be this person nothing it doesn't light up anymore and that's the most horrifying place to be to me because you're capable of you know doing horrible things and um you know destroying in in the least destroying relationships but taking lives and and just again doing horrible things or just you know just being at the least being a very insensitive and you hurt you walk around hurting people's feelings not even you know it's just common not even realizing because you have to give your opinion about everything all the time and i know people like this and they just go around hurting other people and you know um i've even heard in the name of like i'm just being honest i just want to tell you that i really hate you um and i think that um you know, you're really an idiot and you're kind of ugly to me, but I had to get clean. And this is my honest feelings. It's my truth. So I had to get clean, you know, sorry. You know, I just had to, you know, tell you my feelings. Like, what is that? Like, you know, please keep your thoughts to yourself. Please pray about that. What in the world is that? And you don't even end it with like, I'm sorry. Like I was so wrong. Like I just saw, you don't even end it with that. It's just, that was, that's my truth. Forget it. I, I don't, Mm, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so, um, so then Samuel says, has the Lord, um, so guys, okay, let me just say, watch out for low self-esteem and see yourself as God sees you and don't look at it as a virtue. Please don't look at low self-esteem as this really cute, godly, I'm so unworthy virtue. It could be very dangerous. It could be dangerous because you're going to look for attention. You're not going to be able to handle um, authority when it's given to you, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to handle fame. You're not going to be able to handle it. And so please, please, you know, get yourself together on how amazing and wonderful and beautiful you are in Christ. It has nothing to do with what another human thinks about you. Nothing. You're already coming from that place when you wake up in the morning. Um, and then Samuel says, has the Lord, um, has the Lord as great delight, um, in burnt 
offerings and sacrifices and as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So again, you know, Jesus said this, that if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll want to know me. It's just like in a marriage. If my husband loves me, he's going to want to know what I like, what encourages me, how, you know, what I consider, you know, a really fun date night, like what restaurants I like to go to, what beaches I like to walk on the sand. Um, you know, I like, you know, to what's, you know, to go and watch the sunrise or sunset, you know, and vice versa. We want to learn what encourages one another, um, what each other's talents are so that we can, um, we can help that, that we can, um, you know, fan each other's talents in a sense and support that. Um, we want to support each other's goals. We want to, um, support each other's um, lifelong dreams and projects. And we want to get to know each other, what makes us laugh, what gets us out of, um, you know, those days when life is hard, like what, what comforts us that, you know, in, in a healthy way. Um, and so, you know, that's when you love somebody, you want to know how to please them, right? So, um, so, you know, that's not where obviously Saul was coming from. He wasn't looking at obeying the Lord. He was looking into, you know, making a monument to himself. And he says, um, behold, um, to obey is better than sacrifice. That's a very famous scripture that we, you know, a lot of Christians quote a lot of times. This is where it comes from. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. That means witchcraft, rebellion. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. So, you know, we have to watch it when we want to make our sin really cute. Like, I know the Word of God says that, but right now I'm just going to indulge in this anger and I'll just repent later. No, that's horrible. You, when you, Whenever you say, I know that's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways, you're right, you're right here in this scripture. That's rebellion, and it's like witchcraft. I'm going to do it anyways. I don't care if it's going to please God or not. I don't care if it's and I'm going to do it anyways, and I'm just going to wear out grace and just, you know, repent for it later. And yes, God, that's true that God will forgive anything, but there's always consequences. Do you really want to walk around hurting people's feelings? Do you really want to hurt yourself? You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. Your life belongs to God. You did not birth yourself. And you don't know what day you're going to leave this earth. Your life doesn't belong to yourself. Your life belongs to your God. Did you build every cell and atom of your body? Do you even know? Can you explain to me right now in detail why you're able to have vision today? If you have vision, give me all the intricate details about how the brain works, how your circulation works, where, you know, what the retina does, what the, um, what is a coronary of your eye? Is that the right word? You can tell I don't know how all this works, why you blink. I mean, the vast majority of anybody I'm talking to right now doesn't know that unless you're a very learned ophthalmologist, um, what is it, ophthalmologist um, um, or eye surgeon. But, you know, do you know? And that's just one part of your body. Like, you don't know. None of us know. You're, we're not the sum total of um, knowledge and wisdom here. So, um, so then I never, ever want to hear these words in my life because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you, you from being King. Now notice it didn't say he rejected. It was from his position. I'm just saying this here. He didn't say, I completely reject you, Saul. He said, I reject you from being King because at that time, you know, God had, um, called the 
the Israelites to be his people unto himself. So he was still an Israelite. And so Saul said, but he rejected him from being king. So Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. So it's like Saul is like, you know, um, King Saul is like, can we retrograde this? Let, let's go back. Let's go backwards a little bit. Okay, I did this. Okay, I hear you. I got this. Um, forgive me. Like, all, you know, God is forgiven. We know this. He's merciful. Okay, let's go backwards. We'll forgive this and, and we'll just move on. Business as usual. Okay, let, let's just do this right now. Uh-uh. And then um, Samuel says to Saul, I will not return with you, um, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Ooh, and God has to say something twice is bad. <laughs> he, he said it twice, twice, twice. And I, you know, he established the word twice. And then verse 27, and Samuel turned away, turned to go away. Saul seized the skirt of his robe and tore it. So it's kind of like, you know, he went to desperate mess, um, measures, just like, um, just like, you know, a little, when we were little, did you ever remember like, you know, if you wanted something from, you know, your mom or dad and say like you wanted to go to the park and they said no, you thought that the how many times you would say please and beg and cry and have a tantrum on the floor, it would change the situation like, please, 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 I'll do anything, please. And then you bring the false tears and all that kind of stuff. This is what um, Sal is doing. Like, you know, he just got all dramatic, you know, and he's he's like, seize, don't go, don't go. And he sees the skirt. And he probably was desperate too. It's like, no, it, this can't go down like this. You know, I, I like being king. This was fun. Are you kidding me? I just made this monument to myself. Like things are moving forward. You know, I have my PR team and everything. This can't go down like this, you know. Um, um, you know, remember Dream Girls, that song that Jennifer Holiday made um, famous, you know, I'm not living without you. No, 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 no way. Um, and, you know, that it's kind of like he's just having that Broadway performance moment right there. And so he, um, and this is crazy. It says, as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Oh, my goodness. That little tantrum did not work. Oh, my. That that was even a bigger gut punch. Now, you know, he's almost had like three gut punches here. Um, and verse 29. And also, there's an also? Oh, my goodness. This is bad enough. The glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Um so he's talking about this other person that, you know, and, and because remember, um, Sal, out of the words of his own mouth, sees things through low self-esteem, you know, inferior, superior. He's saying this guy's going to be better than you. It's like that's okay. So now we got like quadruple or whatever, if you're counting, a whole lot of gut punches happening to Sal this day. And, you know, we've all been there. We've all, I don't care. We've all had ego. We all thought, you know, if I, if I just say I'm sorry, or if I just, you know, whatever, you know, get that boyfriend or girlfriend back, whatever you did, or um, I'll just do this and be all right. You know, um, you know, there are some times, you know, sin is no joke, like clean it up quickly, clean it up. I, I thank God 
um, you know, often that, like, please let that alarm from my spirit go off when I'm going on the wrong path. I don't want to hurt other people. I don't, I don't want to cause pain to anybody like that Jabez prayer. You know, please, I don't want to cause pain. And then verse 30 says, then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. You see what's happening here? He says, I have sinned. Okay, I, he's like, okay, cool. Okay, let's just park there. I get the sin part. Okay, I, I'm owning this. I've sinned. Got it. Um, but yet, but let's keep this part. Keep honoring me. Keep honoring me before before the elders of my people. Let's keep. Can we just keep the honor thing going, Samuel? Let's just keep the honor thing going, and I'll be cool. Um, really, it's like, it means everything to him that people honor him and that he's getting all this attention. And return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul um, bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring here to me Agag, the king of Amalekites. Okay, this gets really, I'm just going to, um, um, he just winds up, um, chopping Agag to pieces. The king, he does it. Samuel's a bad mamma jamma. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, he didn't play. This was like, the, he was like Holy Spirit thug. I don't know. I know that that sounds like that doesn't shouldn't go together. Cause like, but I'm trying to give you a, a picture here. Did you, I don't even want to read this. Samuel had hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Like he did, cause Agag wasn't supposed to live. He was the king of the Amalekites. He was the guy. He was like the head of all this evil towards Israel. And they spared him. Why? I don't even get that. Um, maybe Saul wanted to, I don't know, like he's thinking of PR and relations with other kings surrounding him. Like he's not thinking of God. He's thinking of his PR. Um, and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. And Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. I never want to hear those words. Okay, guys, I'm going to pray and um, I'm going to pray before I end here and I'm going to pray for all of us, including me. Father, in the name of Jesus, um, I uh, we love you so much, Lord. Please, please convict us of any sin in thought or deed, any sin that we have not even thought of. Let it rise up to our remembrance what we did or somebody that we hurt yesterday or if this is the end of the day you know today um help us father to be better today transform us help us to never be like a sal um that we would um stand boldly we would be bold in who we are in you and that we would be those that would lay hands on the sick that we would realize who we are with the spirit of god you've you know the spirit of god is upon us You've, you've blessed us with that gift, Father, that we would go, that we would, you know, preach the good news to the poor, the good news, not condemnation, not a message of hate, but the good news to the poor of how much you love them, Father, that we would, um, um, that we would, you know, that we would be ones to, you know, be quick to pray for the sick, that we would be ones to be quick to visit those in hospitals, to visit those that are in prisons, to pray for people who are um, political prisoners to all over the world to pray for people who are being martyred for the beliefs, not just Christians, but 
um, other belief systems um, that are being martyred in nations where there's not freedom. And I thank you, Father, for um, that we would be those that would be sensitive to those that are lame, those that we'd be sensitive to those that have special needs, and we would love on those families today. I thank you, Father, that we would proclaim the good news of the Lord, that we would be quick to hear from you, to give a word of encouragement to everybody that we encounter today, that um, that we have any um, contact with in, in communication. And I thank you, Father, that we would also be forgiving for you've forgiven us. I thank you, Lord, that... Um, that those of us under the sound of my voice that are called to ministry, that you will consecrate, that they will consecrate themselves very um, soberly before the Lord, that they would be, um, that they would not be souls, that you would convict all of us, and that that you're, I know, Father, that you are promoting all of us and what we're doing, and that we would not abuse power, we will not abuse um, favor, because you give us um, favor and grace every day of our lives. So I thank you for that, Father, that you would just, you know, help us to help the um, the hurting, that we would have pure religion today to help the fatherless, the widow, that we would not be narcissistic to think of how we look doing it, what attention we're going to get, what position we're going to get, that that's not in our mind, but that our solely, that we are ruminating, um, obsessed, that our sole purpose is to please you today in Jesus' name, and that any habits, addictions, that they got to go, they got to go. We're bigger than that in you, in Christ Jesus. We're bigger than that by the Spirit of God, and that we're just going to walk away from those things um, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that was encouraging. Um, if you want to communicate with me, please email me at um, mindyjoymusic at gmail.com. Um, visit my website at mindyjoyministries.com. And I'm very grateful for anybody who would hear this under the sound of my voice. And even after I leave this earth, I pray this is um, a word of encouragement to you, to you that you would run with this and be like the Bible says, like, you know, um, one of those arrows that goes before me where I can't be on the earth, that um, you're here, your boots on the ground right now while I'm in bliss um, in heaven, seeing my dad and my late husband and, and other loved ones and um, having a conversation with um, Naaman's servant girl and Jesus himself and uh, Paul and all those guys. Okay. Um, um, grace and peace. I'm out.